This episode is brought to you by Marantz Model 40N, ISA's Smart Amplifier of the Year. The most musical sound simplified. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. With me this time out, once again, is Srijan Eben. Welcome, Srijan. Thanks, Dong. And Srijan, we're talking about a portable player today. We're doing a, a, a joint review, right? A portable player from Shanling called the M3 Ultra. Is that right? Ah, that's correct. And it costs all of 469 euros. So this time we are not going for the top, but I think this probably is... If it's not their entry-level player, it's at the bottom of their particular range. Mm -hmm. And they sent me one, and they, they sent you one, and I understand that the first one that you had gave you some troubles? It did. It actually died on me when I was in the hospital. I was <laughs> I was really annoyed because it was the one <laughs> the one place that I really needed it was to listen, uh, listen to some songs there. Yeah, the screen started flickering strangely, and they, the channeling dealt with it very promptly. They were like, that's a problem you can't fix. There's a screen issue. We'll send you a new unit, and I have to take the, the faulty one back to their stand in Munich in May. Now, I believe that you and I have used the device in very different ways, right? So, <laughs> I think you, so have yes. probably, you have probably used it as intended, which is as a portable player with headphones. And very often they would be in ears because this is battery powered, like yep. basically this century's iPod. You know, it's meant to go outside on the road mm -hmm. and so that's how you used it i used it for a stationary system as basically a miniature locally hosted library okay out usb into a dac so you used it purely as a digital transport into a hi-fi system yes i basically used it as well if we rewind about 10 years I don't know hmm. when the iPod first came out, but I had uh, a whole bunch of them. Yeah, about 2001, um, I think, or maybe 2000, something like that. Okay, so 20 years, 20 years yeah. ago. And I also don't remember how many years it took, but I believe that the first high-end company to jump on the iPod as transport was Vadir. They had a dock. They so did, it was sort they of has, a, yes. It was a squarish yeah. box was a slot on the top, you plug the iPod in, it tapped the iPod digitally, hmm. and then Vadia applied their own very so super sophisticated DA conversion and output analog on RCA or XLR and sort of transformed the lowly mass market iPod into a high-end digital transport. Hmm. And then after that, you had companies like uh, Project and Cambridge and yep. Onkyo, and pure, they all had their own versions of these sort of miniature iPod dogs with a little outboard switching wallboard power supply. Some only output digital, mm. so coax and toslink, and others output analog because they built mm -hmm. in their own DAC. But either way, you had uh, a digital transport with the iPod, and I had. Except for the Vadir, I had at least one each of all the available iPod docks because I thought it was such a cool idea that you could have, let's say, two or three systems in a house, all with a dock, 
and you took mm. your little iPod from one system to the next, plugged right. it in, and you had, you had sound without having to be on the internet, without having to have a CD collection, and you could still unplug the thing and take it on the road, plug headphones in, and I thought that was really, really cool. Mm. And then obviously the iPod went away, and my systems grew bigger and more expensive, and sort of that whole notion went away. Right. And then last year, Shandling had a news announcement about something they call the EM7. And that's a machine for 2,100 euros. And it basically is a very, very high-power head-fi slash preamp machine, stationary. Mm -hmm. When I say high-power, it can drive high-fermentus as far as headphones. I think it puts out huh. 7 watts, just 32 ohms. And on the top, it basically has a digital audio player screen turned sideways, slightly elongated, and then it flips up. Okay. So you can either feed this thing wirelessly, Cobas, Tidal, etc. Mm. You can also put in a two terabyte miniature memory card mm. and then use it as a stationary library and output USB to a DAC of your choice. It mm. also has built-in DAC. And when that thing first came out, I was very, very close to buying one for my upstairs system because I thought mm. it sort of ticked off all of the boxes. Because upstairs, I don't have internet. Because in, in our household is what I call Wi-Fi allergic. My wife and I both mm. get headaches with Wi-Fi. And because we rent, we don't run like 40 or 50 meters worth of ethernet cable from the downstairs router, up the stairs, down the 10-meter hallway, into the different rooms. So mm. whatever music we want to listen to upstairs has to be locally hosted. Either it has to be a CD, we don't do vinyl, or it has to be a digital file that's on a hard drive or on a memory card. So when you propose that we review this particular piece together, and I got it, and then I realized that it had all the features that this $2,000 handling had, it had none of the features that I didn't need, which was like, <laughs> okay, it wasn't extreme power for like some ridiculous headphone. Right. It, I didn't need a DAC. It just has a DAC, but I didn't need a super DAC built mm. in. I didn't need XLR or RCA analog outputs. So that's how I've been using this one as a source oh, okay. for a system that altogether costs more than 20,000 euros. And so, right, okay. And I, and I really realized that I didn't need that 2,000 euro Shanley. This does exactly the same thing and it does it absolutely perfectly. And here I'm going to explain why I think it's perfect for this application. Mm -hmm. um, our listeners that use computers for their hi fi digital files, they're probably aware that if you use a program like Audiovana or J River, or Pure Music, or HD Player, HQ Player, that you can make the sound a lot better by bypassing your computer's internal sound operating system. So mm -hmm. it's, it's purely different software that's now used for the routing. And what the software always and first and foremost does, it disables unnecessary computing threads. So on a computer, we have a very big operating system with tons of parallel computing threads going on all the time, most of which are unnecessary if we just want to do audio. 
Mm-hmm. So one thing that makes a computer sound a lot better if we sort of bypass all the unnecessary computing threads. Well, hello. With this little shambling, we don't have a complicated operating system. It's not really a computer meant to do all the ordinary computing stuff. It's basically an operating system stripped back to do just audio. And yes, it also does Wi-Fi, which is what you will talk about, but I disable that. I don't use any of the Wi-Fi function. So mm-hmm. this operating system doesn't really need to be bypassed to sound any better for audio. It's already minimalized. Second of all, battery power, which to many people is the purest power supply possible, battery power. Third, I'm using it in the most low draw mode possible because I'm using it just as a USB transport. So I don't use the output stage. I don't drive any heavy load. So I get the most life out of this battery possible. I can listen to this as a digital transport eight hours a day and probably get three full days worth of listening before I have to recharge. Huh. Perfect. I want, to ask, I want to ask a question at this point, if I can. Sure. So are you, you're using a USB connected to an external DAC, right? Actually, yes and no. Okay. I could, and I have done it, but in my upstairs system, I'm sitting about four meters away from the system. The system is basically between the speakers facing me, mm-hmm. which means it's too far away to route the, a USB cable properly along the floorboard and not exceed mm. five meters. And I don't want to run it straight over the carpet. I want to run it to the right sidewall, down the floorboard, behind the equipment yeah. rack. Okay. Yeah. So I can't use a USB cable directly or I'm going to exceed five meters. So I run a two-meter USB cable into what's called the USB bridge, which sits right mm. next to my chair on the sidewall. And yeah. from there, I have a six-meter AES-EBU cable that uh, connects okay. to the DAC between the speakers. And that's only because I already had the USB bridge and because I had to sort of bridge those long six meters worth of cable. Now, on my desktop... I run directly into a DAC. I don't need an in-between USB bridge. How are you keeping it charged? I don't have to. I can run it basically down, which I said takes me about three days of constant listening in this particular mode. And then I basically just plug a USB cable into a wall charger. It charges up in a couple of hours. Mm. I can do that overnight when I don't listen anyways. And next morning, I'm topped off. And you're playing music from a micro SD card inserted yes. into the bottom, right? Okay. Because that's exactly. important to this, right? Because you're, you're using a yes. micro SD card full, full of songs, and then you're using the app that Shanling provide for local playback, which they have, I guess they will have routed its digital audio output through the its Android 10 operating system on this thing. Correct. So through the Android 10 operating system to get the best sound out of that OS, which is what many... I guess DAP manufacturers do. And more and more of them are using Android. Well, 10 is pretty common now, even though on a phone, the latest Android is Android 13. We'll come to that later, like the disparity. So really what this portable player is, instead of being a computer that's been optimized, it's actually really a phone that's been optimized. But it still has the phone-like operating system on top, which again, I'll come to when I talk about it. But you're using it in a more sort of purist manner as just a local playback device. 
as many people do with these things. You know, a lot of people still use. Um, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like I'm being really patronizing. I'm not meaning to be here, but people using uh, micro SD cards full of songs and then inserting that into the player and then just choosing from the menu which songs you want to play. As you say, very much like an iPod. Except with a much more functionality compared to the iPod hmm. because of, of Android 10. And since I'm not really a hip uh, smartphone user, I was curious for your feedback on how does Android 10 on this channeling compare to using a current smartphone as a music player? Is it basically the same from the interface? Yeah, I mean, because what you do is you use the Google Play Store app to install. Well, what I did was I installed Spotify, Tidal, SoundCloud, Plex Amp, uh, Rune Arc. And then the interfaces of those, I mean, they're essentially the Android versions of those apps. So whether I use it on the Shanling or whether I use it on one, well, I've got a Google Pixel 6, which is an Android phone, the interface is the same. I mean, obviously the Shanling screen is smaller, mm -hmm. um, which did cause some quirks with Rune Arc, but don't ask me the specifics because I've forgotten. I just remember, remember thinking, oh, I must remember that because it doesn't quite fit on the screen. But yeah, essentially it's, it's just like using a phone. Although, because the hardware isn't quite as sprightly as that found in my Google Pixel 6, I think sometimes for me, the Shanling didn't feel as fast. You know, I push something and an app opens. It was it sometimes pushed something, momentary delay, and then the app opens. Hmm. And sometimes pushing this, there was a tiny bit of lag on, on pushing certain buttons. But I'm being super picky there and comparing it to a phone. Because my experience was a little bit the opposite. I was actually surprised by how the Snapdragon 665 processor, mm. and I have to excuse, I don't really know what that means, technically, like how advanced this is. But I was mm. surprised by how fast this processor is and was to populate a library of a 128 gigabyte card that was 98% maxed out with files how it populated the screen right. was all of the artwork. It was really, really quick. And I was also surprised how quick it was to import the songs. So the first time when you insert the memory card with whatever files you put on them and you put that into the player, the player has to read the card to establish a table of contents. Yes. And I was actually watching how long it took for that to happen, and it was extremely fast. When I say extremely fast, that is only by comparison to Adapt that I reviewed, let's see, in 2016, okay. which is called the Esther M1 Pro by SoundAware, mm. which at that time was a high-end model. And by comparison to the Shanling, this old machine feels like a tractor sitting next to like a Mazda Miata little two-seater. It feels okay. so clunky and antiquated. But again, that is probably only because the Shandling, like you said, is basically like a smartphone running Android 10 without some of the telephone functions. But the interface, the swiping of the screens, all of that is basically identical. And that's also, I think, what sets this apart from the original iPod, which didn't have sort of this sophisticated a touchscreen interface 
where you could sort of flick and scroll uh, and swipe screens and you, you get to another screen and it's a much much easier to sort of navigate than this 10 year old dap from from soundware hmm. so so for my use i would say that uh even with like 128 gigabyte memory card maxed out the being able to access the music that i wanted being able to find it to run different search queries it was very very fast and you know most of my library is, is redbook which means it's cd quality okay but i also uploaded uh 2496 material and a couple of weeks ago a reader sent me a two terabyte hard drive full of dsd files okay. i never had a single dsd ever and suddenly <laughs> i have two terabytes so of course the first thing i did is i uploaded some D dff that's what they're called dff yeah. files dsd64 yeah. and yes mm. it plays them just fine mm. and uh at the bottom where we have the USB-C input and the little slot for the uh, micro SD card, there's a tiny little pinprick LED, and that will actually change color as you play. And that will actually indicate what format you're listening to and at what resolution. So blue okay. is for red, but it goes up to even 24-bit. It's still blue. Then okay. green is for DSD. White is for 2496. And red is when you charge it. Doesn't it give you a little number in the top left-hand corner of the screen? It does as well. On the screen, okay. it also tells you whether it's DSD 64, mm. or it will tell you that it's 48 kilohertz, or you know, 16, 44.1. Yes, it does. But it's right in the top, in the top left, isn't it? Like the other, the other side of the, the opposite side of the clock. Exactly. So you have a you have a little symbol for for loudness, and if you have the variable loudness, uh, you know, if you're in variable mode, it will give you a number that indicates what your volume is set to. Hmm. And then right next to it is that little Shandling logo for running the Shandling app. Okay. Can I ask you a, a logistics question, Sujan? So Absolutely. you've you've, lo you've loaded all your well a, a selection of songs. Right, because it's a hundred and twenty-eight gigabyte micro SD card, right? Yeah. So you've you've chosen a selection of songs to put on that card. How do you how do you decide what to put on the card? It's mostly newer music that I haven't listened to that much yet. Okay. But I tell you, hundred and twenty-eight gigabytes in at least red books or CD resolution, that's mm. a lot of bloody music. It is. That's more, yeah. than a, that's more than a thousand tracks. It would take me weeks of daily listening to go through them all. And, you know, I have, I have a three terabyte hard drive downstairs in my main system that contains my main library. Hmm. But if I was to actually check the most listened to tracks and then look at tracks I haven't listened to in a couple of years, Honestly, there would be a lot of tracks I haven't listened to in a couple of years, but I haven't gone ahead and diluted them or like deleted them from my hard drive. Mm. They just sit there. I own them. I paid for them. One day I might listen to them again. I have enough room on my hard drive to keep them there. And if I run out of space, I, you know, I just expand my, my memory. I mean, there's no need for me to throw away music that I own. But in truth, I don't listen to three terabytes worth of music. I don't need all of it. 
And it's not as though I go upstairs into my secondary system and suddenly think to myself, well, damn, I wish I could listen. Damn, it's not on here. Damn, I didn't put this particular piece of music on this little channeling. It doesn't really happen. <laughs> I'm perfectly really? happy to I'm perfectly uh, happy to listen to whatever happens to be on the menu. It's like I go to a restaurant. I don't complain that they don't have a certain dish. They have whatever they have. And from that selection, I find something that I enjoy. Now, I could have uploaded, you know, I could have used a 256 terabyte, a gigabyte card mm. or a 512. But I, I found from having done this for like more than 10 years that cards can go funky. Right. I don't know what happens, but eventually certain tracks can't be read anymore. Yeah, I think they get corrupted. Somehow, something happens, they get corrupted. So mm. rather than spending money on a two terabyte card, which I don't even know how much that would be, but I mean, you, you're spending probably eight or 900 euros on a maximum card that is really fast. I'd rather spend 30 or 40 quid on a 120 terabyte, you know, 128 gigabyte card, which one of them I just managed to fill up. So if I get tired of this music, I either will overwrite what I put on there or I load up another card. It mm. takes about, if it takes three or four minutes for the first read-in of all of those tracks, which after that I never have to do again, Right. it doesn't bother me the least. And if for some reason there's some music that I really must listen to right then and there, and it's not on this little device, I go down the stairs and I turn on the big system. Okay. So for me, for me, this, this like micro SD card limit that mm. can't, possibly contain my whole library that's not a negative in fact it's a positive because i have to be i have to be conscious of what music i want to put on there in the first place so i'm already sort of playing curator i'm being deliberate about what i want on there sure but how often do you refresh it since i've gotten this piece i haven't okay I've just put on more and more music until about a week ago, I realized I was 97% capacity. Oh, I see. You've been adding more and more. So every time you have to take the micro SD card out, put it in your computer, drag and drop the files, Yeah. wait for that to happen, then put the card back in the channeling. Yeah. Because, I mean, I buy music from, from Cobas, right? I download right. it from Cobas. I do it on my work computer. But mm. I listen to it on my, on my iMac. Which means I I don't I download them as AIF files, you know the Apple format. Okay. I download them like that to my Windows computer, and then from there, before I transfer them to the iMac, I put them on this micro SD card. All of the new stuff I just bought, and I buy usually about ten to twenty albums a month. Mm -hmm. And so I pre view them in Cobas. I listen to the whole album to make sure it's not just one track I like, but there's enough good mm. stuff on there that I want to actually own it. And then in order to, for me to listen to it beginning to end, I, I like to put it on an SD card. And in this case, because this machine is so small, I've also actually plugged in the Meze 109 Pro headphones mm -hmm. and use this in bed just in the evening, just, you know, sitting up against the pillow and just listening to the latest tracks I just imported. It's great. What did you think of the sound quality with those Meze headphones? I thought it was terrific. I was shocked how good it was. And I set it to high gain mode, even though that was not mm. required. And on the Meze, 
I never exceeded 30 on the volume in high gain right. mode, which means in, in normal mode, I would have probably been at 60. Mm -hmm. Even in normal mode, I would not have eclipsed the, the, the power that these op amps that channeling put in there can put out. What I noticed also sonically, I used the Meze. That was the only full-size headphone I used because that came with a 3.5 mil cable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I used, for IEMs, I used these Hi-Fi Men. They were called, I think, RE2000 at the time. Okay. That was their like flagship and expensive in-ear monitor. Mm -hmm. And then I have two campfire audios that came in these sort of real leather pouches with like okay, yeah. sheepskin yeah. lining. And I don't even remember what they're called, but one of them has sort of like a gold anodized body in a, in a metal casing. And the other one is all black. Right. I don't remember what these are called, but in any event, those are the ones that I used for the review. And in each and every case, I thought that the shandling, if I could detect any voicing, leans towards the slightly sort of bottom up warmer mm -hmm. slightly yes because Very bass, slightly in, particular, yes. Yes. bass yes. in particular was just butch i mean whatever the headphones can deliver that i knew they were capable of i thought the shanning delivered yeah but again predominantly i used it as a digital transport and in that use honestly i don't see why i personally for upstairs would spend 2,000 euros on the bigger channeling or 10 or 20,000 euros on some like state-of-the-art server because all of that, all of what that audio file server would do is run battery power or like an audio file version thereof, which is mm. super caps, right? It would use mm. some super sophisticated power supply. It would use a, a downstripped operating system that was optimized mm. for just audio it would have to use a very, very fast processor, maybe something faster than then is in here, but whatever mm. is in here is already completely sufficient. But then, unlike this machine, it would not include the interactive touchscreen. It would be a headless server. So now I have to spend money on, since I don't do wireless, I would have to spend money on a hardwired screen mm. And if I spend money on a hardwired touchscreen, it's probably going to cost me another, what, two, three, four hundred euros on something decent. Yeah. And what would this audio file server that actually spits out digital, not analog, it spits out digital to my DAC, what would that add mm. over this? Well, it would add a lot more memory. I could probably specify eight terabytes worth of SSD. Yes. SSD doesn't have any moving parts, but then neither does this with the micro SD card. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is an audiophile server with limited memory capacity. But that must be admitted. If somebody has eight terabytes worth of music, he's going to look at that and frown and say, this is a toy. But that really, that toy objection, I think, is only valid for the lack of memory or the limit of memory. Because the interface, having to sit right next to my chair, it doesn't have to be any bigger. I don't need to see multiple album arts, album covers at one time. I only need to see the one I'm listening to right now. Mm -hmm. And with one click on the volume button, the display extinguishes. So I save even more battery. 
And if I, if I want to go back, I double tap and the display comes alive again. I might sound a little bit more fanboyish than, than I should because I don't have really much experience with using a smartphone for audio. So I was sort of really pleasantly surprised by the, the functionality of in the swiping the screen left and right, having multiple screens, being able to pull down the main menu by just going to the top. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that was much more sophisticated than it was 10 years ago with this SoundAware uh, digital audio player that then was top of the line. And it cost at the time 775 euros, mm. not the 465 of the channeling. So I think now we should hand over the mic to you as somebody that <laughs> comes from smartphone use and somebody who has no issue with Wi-Fi. So rather than listening to mostly or exclusively local files, you access Cobas and SoundCloud and Spotify and Tidal wirelessly like most of our listeners would. Mm. And so you would probably look at this channeling in a different way. And you have to now Can tell us how good or not it was in that mode playing sort of miniature server. You mentioned high-end servers and the Shandling being a good stand-in for like a very expensive high-end server. Now, I don't think for a moment that the Shandling, even as a digital transport, is going to sound, and this is a controversial thing to say, I know it is, it's not going to sound as good as an, as an expensive digital audio streamer. Now, I know there are, will be listeners out there who think it's all ones and zeros and they all sound the same. Now, that's not my experience and that's not what, I guess, engineers in this field tell me is the case. But I guess the thing that I would add is that you'd have to spend a lot of money, way more than 500 euros, on a dedicated streamer or server to really get an, an appreciable lift in sound quality, I would think. right? I mean, I haven't used this thing as a digital, digital transport, and I know the differences between digital transports generally – Unless you've, I mean, you really need an uber high-end hi-fi or head-fi system to kind of resolve them anyway. And my interest in them has kind of fallen off a cliff, really, in the last three or four years. Because, yes, I know they can make a difference, but when it comes to the, the, the priorities of what I use to yeah, play back music, the hardware choices I make, I'm, I'm more inclined to you know, look at you know, tra the transducer then the amplifier, then the DAC, and then obviously the room, which I won't even talk about today because I've done that to death. But um, I think when it gets down to the digital transport level, I've kind of I've lost a, a lot of interest in that, especially when, and this is a point that you've touched on, is that the functionality of something like the Shandling is incredible for 500 euros. Like the, the, the varied ways in which you can use it, and interact with it and control it and where you can, I mean, it's portable. So you can take it anywhere around your house. And as we'll I'll talk about in a moment outside of the house. So I love your analogy of like it being like a, a high end music service streamer that can pretty much go anywhere with you. Cause it is, but the issue of micro SD cards is a bit of a hot button issue for me. And it's one of can the I reasons. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes. I just wanted to interject to something that you just said, so we can sort of mm. wrap this one up. Yeah, and sure. that is that that I have reviewed audio file servers up to twenty thousand euros, mm -hmm. and compared them to my iMac, 
with Audio Warner mm -hmm. running into an external 699 euro USB bridge mm -hmm. that then outputs AES EBU or I squared S or SPDIF into the DAC. Right. So iMac completely loaded. At the time, I think it was probably, let's call it three grand or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. Another 700 euros for the external USB bridge, the interconnecting cable, let's call it 4K. Mm. Now, the 20,000 euro state-of-the-art Uber server, headless, mm. still required the iMac as my graphic user interface. Yes, because you don't do Wi-Fi and you can't use a tablet. And yes, I could have replaced the iMac with the equivalent Apple screen, mm -hmm. just a display. That might have brought the price down by half. I don't know what they cost these days, but there might be 1,100 or 1,200 or 1,500 euros, something thereabouts. Mm. But in that comparison, that 20K Uber streamer had a very, very, very marginal advantage. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, yeah. that if I use this Shandling with the same USB bridge, mm. where now the Shandling replaces my iMac, Yes. With Audiovana, the Shandling is every bit as good as the iMac. So the proviso is that mm. I still have a USB bridge in between the Shandling and my Uber DAC. Right. But in that configuration, $500 Shandling, and on my desktop, I have a cheaper version of the USB bridge. That one only set me back 400 euros. Mm. So 500 euros for the Shandling, 400 euros for the USB bridge, 900 euros altogether, another 100 euros on a fancy USB cable from the Shandling to the USB bridge. For $1,000 or euros, I now have a digital server that I personally would prefer over a $20,000 headless server that still needs some kind of a screen to interact mm. with. And sonically, the, the difference at best would be super marginal, marginal enough where I couldn't give a flying fig. Well, especially with, with the money involved, I agree. But no, not I mean, even with the money do. involved. Not even no, with I, the money I, involved, because the really? OmniFile server doesn't really add anything except more memory. Well, the, from a server point of view, I would agree with you. But from a, a USB interface, I think the... Uh, the but that's what I mean. If, uh, an external USB bridge that is powered by ultra caps, mm. even better than a linear power supply, and it has its own low jitter clocks, exactly just like an audio file server would. That's the same functionality for less money. Oh, I see what you I see what you're saying now. Okay, so you're saying your the USB bridge, USB is, bridge is, is, already... the, is the streamer. It does. The, it takes care of the sound quality. It's what is in an audiophile server. Okay. Because when you yeah, look I mean, at what, how, point. You know, how does the audiophile server differ from a computer, those things we just touched upon is what that improves. Mm. But the Shandling plus an external good USB bridge from a company in China called Singster, but they are not the mm -hmm. only ones to make them, yeah. get you into this audiophile server territory. And right. the last thing I will say on the subject is that that is why this particular model from Shandling, I think, is so attractive because 
you don't have to spend eight or 900 or 1200 euros or 2000 euros in the shanding line or a compu- competing digital audio player line for their better models. Right. Because all that those better models offer you, same operating system, same micro SD card slot, same USB output, where they get better is with more headphone sockets. They might even have a better DAC inside. They will definitely have mm. a bigger battery inside. Mm. But none of these things I need or anybody that uses this device in my fashion will need. That's why you're actually best off to go with the bottom of the range that has the oper- operating system that you want and this fast enough processor so you can access all of your music really fast. You can get to mm. from A to Z and back to W very, very quickly. And uh, if I look at the search functions, you can search by song, by folder, by album, by artist, by genre, by resolution. You can build your own playlist. And the one feature that is really cool in my use is that you can access separate folders. Now, why is that cool? I made a friend of mine um, a custom playlist of 200 songs. Mm. I put them all in a folder. I put them on a mini SD card and put it in the mail to send it to him. So that 200 track playlist sits in one folder mm-hmm. and I imported it into, into the channeling. Now, if I open that folder under songs, mm. it comes out as 200 different songs. Yes. If I open that under album, it comes out as 200 different albums. I never get to listen to my playlist the way that I actually made it. But I, if I open it in folder mode, it shows me that folder of 200 tracks in the sequence that I put them on there. For me, folder browsing is essential. It has been for decades. I mean, ever since the first squeeze box landed in my lounge room, I wanted to browse my hard drive or the, the music, that my music collection by folder because it was sorted by folder. So every album had its own folder and it was meticulously organized with artist year and then album name. And then all the tracks were properly sequenced. I mean, I was really religious about it and really until Rune came along and then made me question my own sanity in doing that. <laughs> but yeah, but where, where the, a, uh, a digital audio system relies on the metadata inside the files that you're feeding it. Yeah. Folder browsing is essential. If you're, if you're, if you neglect to keep those up to date or you get music from, I don't know, weird sources. Sometimes even when I buy stuff on Bandcamp, it's not properly tagged. So even if I've got, if I've just got the folder and I can rename that and I can rename the files, no problem. I think it's interesting the way you, you use this Shandling as a, yeah, a server and a streamer replacement. Although I understand now better that the, the technical end of the streaming equation is handled by your Singster USB bridge. I get that. And I would also say, because you mentioned Audivana, is that if you're out there listening to this podcast thinking, what the bloody hell are these guys smoking trying to tell us that digital audio can sound different? Don't email us. Just download the trial of Audivana and play the same song through it and then play it through iTunes or some other music app that you've got in your computer and listen to the difference. It costs you no money. You can do it yourself and it'll take you 15 minutes. So instead of taking to the internet to talk about, you know, 
how this is all some kind of snake oil conspiracy, because that's essentially what you'd be saying. Just go and put the time into Audivana, 15 minutes, same song, through it, and then whatever your other music player app was before, maybe FUBAR, maybe VLC, maybe even iTunes. I would put money on it that if your system is resolving enough, you'll hear that Audivana sounds a bit more relaxed, a bit softer, and altogether more pleasing. Now, it might not be to your taste. Here's the thing, right? It might not be to your taste, but you would have to admit that it is different. And therefore, the digital audio in a file is not just ones and zeros. I think for most people that would close the book on the matter, I would hope anyway. But anyway, I, I, don't, I didn't want to get into that, but I think it's worth mentioning before I talk about Shandling as a portable player. I, I want to talk about initially why I, back in 2016, just before I moved to Berlin, I, I wrote a series of articles called The DAP Days Are Over. And I really meant it because I was very down on DAPs because back then they were generally like your old, was it 900 euro DAP that you have there, Sajan? They were just portable players as you use them. So micro SD card full of songs in the bottom and off you go. Now in 2016, Tidal was up and running, Kobos was up and running, as was Spotify. Basically streaming was, was streaming was well, it had becoming- arrived, right? Streaming had arrived and, and it be, had become a more of a mainstream concern. And it's also, interestingly, what buried Pono, because Pono was essentially that. It was a portable player that you put a micro SD card into. And it sounded great. And Charlie Hansen, the late Charlie Hansen, did an amazing job on, of the engineering of that thing. If you look at one now, I've still got one in Germany, that the interface is super clunky by modern standards. But it sounded pretty good back then. But then once streaming arrived, a lot of the DAP manufacturers... Well, I won't say they stood still, but they just still kept making products that just played music from micro SD cards. And then at the same time, I think we had dongle DACs starting to come to market, AudioQuest Dragonfly being the first one. So I was looking at my phone going, hang on a minute, I can Spotify on my phone, connect a dongle DAC, and it will sound pretty much as good as a portable player, but it will also let me stream from the internet and offline, offline content to the app inside its sort of downloads folder. So I don't need to have to worry about a micro SD card full of songs anymore. And a phone with a dongle DAC to me made the, the portable player market look extremely long in the tooth. And the only company at that time, I think pretty much that was the, who were making portable players that had an Android operating system where you could install those streaming apps, Spotify, Tidal Cobras, all, the, all those, was Sony. And I bought the Sony ZX1, which sounded a bit thin, but it was okay. I bought the Sony ZX2, and that sounded a bit better, but it was output was very weak. So you could really only use IEMs with it, sensitive IEMs. I did try a pair of Fostex T50RP or whatever the model number is, and you had to max it out to get even a, a reasonably stout volume level out of it. But the, Sony were the only company with the foresight back then to go, yeah, streaming is coming and we need to put that into our portable players. But in recent years, it seems that the likes of Fio, Shanling, Ibasso, I'm going to forget one, uh, Astel and Kerr. Oh, no, Astel and Kerr. Astel and Kerr, no, they haven't because their portable players don't run a sort of a native Android operating system. They're still using what I call an old school operating system where you can load on 
the apps if they're whitelisted by the Aslan Kern engineers. And I, I got to say, I hate that system. I hate it because you're beholden to their engineering team's speed with which they want to, you know, whitelist these these apps. And I don't think Plexamp has been done yet, and I don't think Runark has been done yet. And these are two that I want because essentially what they do is they turn my music server in my house into my own private streaming services. I've made videos about these before, so I'm not going to labor the point here. So the reason I came back to DAPS this year, or have come back to DAPS, and the reason that I said yes to doing this review with you, Sujan, was because I knew that the Shanling did streaming services through the Google Play Store app built into Android 11. So I knew that I could I mean, I didn't even want to put a micro SD card in the bottom. I was never going to do it. So the first thing I did was I installed Spotify, SoundCloud, Tidal, RuneArc, PlexAmp, uh, maybe a couple of others. I don't know whether it's power, it's powered down on me because it, I've got it in auto off mode so that the battery doesn't run down if I just put it to one side and forget to turn it off. So I knew that I could do streaming and therefore offline streaming. This is important. Offline streaming is, is crucial to this because... Even when Aslan and Kern started to introduce Kobos and Tidal support to their dApps about four or five years ago, because the music labels and their legal team said no to offline mode in anything apart from a smartphone, essentially, Aslan and Kern couldn't enable offline content in their portable players. So you had to be tethered to a Wi-Fi network or tethered to your phone, which then you would actually hammer your data allowance if you had one. So yeah, I've got, on, on this actually, I've got four apps. I've got Arc, Plexamp, Tidal, and Spotify. And that's pretty much what I've used with this, this player for the last, what, six weeks or so. And I did use the, I think it's, is it called the Pure app or the Shandling app? The, this is kind of the gold-colored labeled app where you kind of go to albums and folders and things like that. Mm-hmm. I did actually use that because back in January, whilst I was convalescing after my, I operation, I started to do some vinyl rips and I wanted to listen to them out in the street. So I put, I dumped the vinyl rips onto a micro SD card and popped them into the bottom and yeah, took them out for a walk. So I could have a listen to them close up, but also get some fresh air and some exercise. So it was quite useful for vinyl rips because obviously you can't stream vinyl rips from you know, your, your regular streaming services. I guess I could have put them on my music server and use RuneArt for that and you or use Plexamp, but I didn't because I thought, no, I need to at least test the, the micro SD card slot to make sure it works as advertised. Um, and something you said to me via email also made me do, or rather reminded me to do the test that everybody should do on every digital streaming device. And my question is always, does it play back gaplessly? And from the micro SD card with the Shanling using their Shanling app, the answer is a flat no. It does not. No, it does not. Because I just loaded in Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, the ultimate audiophile cliche album I know. And it's it's meant to be this seamless blend all the way through pretty much. And the gaps sort of jolt you out of the hypnosis that music generally, to me, provides. Because for, for me, music is like a hypnotic state. And to have a gap suddenly kind of just appear, like a, like a small gap of silence, it's like, what, what, what's that? You know, like, why is that there? It shouldn't be there. So I'm sorry to say, I'm, I'm going to be quite harsh about this. I think it's unforgivable that Shanling don't have gap as playback enabled on their own app. I'm sure there are very good technical reasons why not. But yeah, on the same Google operating system, the Android 10, 
Tidal, Plexamp, Spotify, RuneArk, or play back gaplessly. Now, maybe it's because what Shandling have chosen to do is they've chosen to, in order to minimize the amount of CPU activity to drive down the electrical noise to therefore improve sound quality, they've had to yeah, not do a multi-threaded process. So where when one song is clo- you know, coming to an end, the next song is pre-buffered. They're probably not doing that. They're probably not pre-buffering. I don't know. I'm guessing. But whatever the reason, they have thrown gapless under the bus and prioritized sound quality. And I get, get it for, for, I think for you, Sujan, that's probably the right call. But for me, it's absolutely not. Well, I really only noticed it on one album that I have where track 10 and track 11 mm. continue seamlessly. It's actually track 11 is sort of the second part of right. the first song. The first song is the solo vocalist, and then the second part, two other vocalists join in. And there's no break at all. Right. And the Shandling inserted about a one-second break. And it's bizarre because it didn't even have to sort of look for the second track in a different folder. Because this was literally on the same album from track from one track to the next that it had already loaded when I selected the album. There was really no need for it to insert a one-second track, the time that it might otherwise take to queue up the next track and find it in the table of contents. So that I didn't understand technically. But like you explained, they probably don't pre-buffer the next track. And there we go. Yeah, I think to put it more simply, basically the the current playing track has to stop before the software can then play the next track. It, because essentially to have gapless playback, you've got to have processes that can run for a split second, two tracks concurrently to do the handoff seamlessly, like two relay runners with a baton, exactly like right. that. So the, the relay runner that you're handing off to already starts moving, right? It's not a stationary handoff. So it has to be like, yeah, people in motion. So I think that's why, uh, I, I don't know, it's just a bugbear of mine. I think if anybody watches my YouTube videos regularly, they'll know that I just cannot stand gap as playback, but it's not an issue with any of the streaming apps that I've used because Spotify takes care of that, Rune takes care of that, Plexamp takes care of that, Tidal takes care of that. And they would be laughed off the, off the, uh, off the streaming stage if they didn't have gapless playback in place. Because I, I still see people getting, as I do, getting upset with PlayFi. Because PlayFi is still, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of gapless in one mode, but not the other, but the other mode is heavily compromised. But we won't go too much into that. But the, for me, there is no excuse for having, for not having, sorry, gapless playback in 2023. It's just, no, I'm sorry. I, I would rather have a hit to sound quality and have gapless playback enabled. I will take that hit. But I realize that the people that are generally buying a portable player like the Shanling are probably more idealistic in their viewpoint of what audio should be. And are probably buying it because it sounds better than, well, it used to be sounds better than a phone, but now phones don't have headphone, headphone sockets on them anymore. So now, without a doubt, the Shanling, the, the Shanling, the Shanling, but now, without a doubt, the Shanling sounds better than the little Apple dongle DAC. I thought I had it around here. It doesn't really matter if I don't have it. The little white Apple dongle DAC that you plug into an iPhone to get audio out of it. That's mm. a $10 item. And it sounds fine. 
when heard in isolation. But if you hear the Shandling immediately afterwards playing the same song from Spotify or Tidal or whatever, the Shandling just, I think it just has greater clarity. It sounds more open. It has better extension in the top for sure. And these are not huge night and day differences. They're like small audiophile differences that audiophile idealists will really hone in on. And that's why people spend 500 bucks on this kind of device for sound quality. I think another reason why people buy these is because they just want a separate device to have music. They don't want to have a multitasking device doing everything. Whereas I'm more, well, I used to be more of that person. I'm coming back a little bit to the idea of having, you know, a camera is a camera and a portable music player is just a portable music player and then a phone is a phone. Maybe it's because I'm getting well, older. Let me ask maybe you this. Hmm. I don't know how old they now are, but I do remember that you bought a couple of, are they called Xiaomi? That the, the phones that had it, they had a really, really good headphone output and DAC. I mean, they were like oh. sort of sound, sound first smartphones. Because I would be curious uh. how listening to, you know, Cobas or Tidal over one of them would compare uh, to the channeling. They because were LG. functionally, fu LG. Functionally, yeah. they would, would be very similar, except that this channeling can't take phone calls. But for music listening, streaming, wirelessly off services, how would the sound quality of the Shandling rate to one of the old style phones that were sound first and, and had a proper headphone output? I did do that comparison very briefly because, because my January was thrown out by my eye operation, but I, I did it very briefly. I think the Shandling just about takes it. I, I don't know. I think the LG sounds still a little bit rolled off in the top, comparatively speaking. The reason I don't have an LG anymore is because of the camera, because the, the iPhone or sorry, the iPhone, the smartphone that I carry in my pocket, I want it to have a really good, good camera because I take photos all the time of whatever I'm doing, either in the house or out of the house. So my phone purchases are driven by cameras. Now I, I realize that a lot of people don't care about that and they're quite happy to hang on to their LG V30, V40, V60, and mine just sit in a drawer. I don't really use them. And also the screen looks kind of, well, it looks dated now. It's a lower resolution screen than on my Google. Actually, I don't have a Google Pixel 6. What am I talking about? I've got a Google Pixel 7 because I'm fancy. 7 Pro, actually. I think these Google Pixel phones are fantastic, but mainly because of the camera. So this purchase mm -hmm. was driven by the camera. If I want to get audio out of it, I want to play music on it, I have to use a USB dongle DAC. Now, the LGs, how expensive were they at the time? If we're looking at them as a music player purchase, comparing with today's 469 euro channeling. About the same. I think the last LG that I bought was about 500 euros. Okay, so um, the same, roughly. Yeah, roughly the same. And they were great phones. And I think they were the, the, the sweet spot for, for about four or five years, I think. I th I mean, I'm glad you've reminded me because this was another reason that I gave up my Sony zx2 walkman was like i got the lg phone it sounds i think a little bit better actually than the sony zx2 so i sold that sony and just lived with those lg phones for a while but then lg pulled out of the phone market a couple of years ago so we don't have them anymore but i'm i'm, I'm okay with a dongle dac i'm getting a bit over dongle dacs that are chunky because now we have things like the helm bolt which is I mean, I'm holding up to, to my camera now, Srijan, for you to see, but nobody else can see this if you're listening. But the Helm Bolt is a very sort of slim 
dongle DAC. I mean, it's just got a USB-C connector on one end and a fairly small and tidy DA converter at the other. And it sounds pretty damn good for a hundred or so dollars. And that's what I would use with my Google Pixel 7 Pro if I wanted to play back music. But I don't tend to do that, actually, because I tend to use Bluetooth headphones with my, uh, with my, my smartphones generally. But I did take some time uh, last in January to compare the Shanling's analog output, 3.5mm, to this Helm Bolt and to this other dongle deck called the Zorlu Stella, or Stella with a Z. I was expecting, actually, that the dongle DACs would sound better. And they did not. I think the Shandling sounds better than these dongle DACs. That was very surprising for me. Again, not a night and day difference, not a huge difference, but a noticeable difference enough for people to kind of go, yeah, I think the Shandling is worth it if they've got the money to spend and are okay with having a dedicated music player in their pocket. And I think the other reason that I've come around again to having a dedicated music player is, is I'm now running two phones because <laughs> it's a fairly convoluted reason. I had everything on my Google phone and I, I wanted to try, it was about a year ago, I wanted to try and dial back the amount of time I was spent scrolling work-related stuff. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take all my email off this phone. And then I thought, no, no, I won't do that. What I'll do is I'll get a second phone. And then on the weekend, I only take the other phone out. So I got an iPhone, but also I got an iPhone because I wanted to use it with Apple AirPods and Apple ecosystem products so i thought i'll get it for that and also because some streaming manufacturers like Auralic, their app is ios only book Arts, uh app for their yeah for their streaming active loudspeakers i think there is an android version now but for a couple of years it was ios only so i have an iphone and android phone and i tend to carry them everywhere i go which is a bit silly but so i'm okay having two devices now so i'm okay also having I guess, a portable music player. And I have, yeah, I have taken this out mainly in the streets of Berlin. I haven't taken it much out in Portugal here because I've not really had the time. And also I've been with my girlfriend, so I've not really had a lot of time to myself to go walk about because we've always gone out together. So I'm, I'm very happy with it as a portable device for taking music out. It, I'd had no issues with it in terms of offlining content, removing content, uh, I think for me, PlexAmp is better as an app on this device than RuneArc. I think RuneArc has still got some, I guess, operational kinks to iron out on it. For some reason, offline content or downloads can be slow, but not always. And I don't know why, whereas PlexAmp, they come streaming down no problem. So I, I like it from that res in, in that respect. And I also like it because it, you know, it does streaming and I don't have to... Do the, I've got to talk about this. Do the micro SD card dance, right? Because unlike you, Sajan, I want all of my music available to me always. So my, also like you, three terabyte hard drive that's in my office upstairs, I want to be able to access everything on it when I'm out of the house, which is why I described it as my private streaming service, and which is mm -hmm. why Plex and Rune turns it into that. So with the apps on installed on the Shanling, I can offline anything from that server anytime I want to, or stream it directly, which I don't tend to do because I'm living in two countries now. <laughs> I live in two countries. It sounds so self-indulgent. I, I live in places that don't have very generous data caps 
or data allowances on smartphone plans. I know in the UK, people have these unlimited. In the US, they have unlimited, but I don't know. Do you have an unlimited plan? Oh, you don't have a smartphone, of course. Sorry. I d- no, I do <laughs> I don't have a, a smartphone with unlimited calling, but you oh, know, I, I barely okay. ever use it. But so, let me ask you this, then. The way that you use a portable player by way mm. of your um, your iPhone with mm. the dongle DAC mm. and then with Apple AirPods, Mm-hmm. To walk about, or possibly mm-hmm. even sitting in a, you know, outdoors in a chair, drinking a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Does owning something like the Shandling still make sense? Does it still hold appeal because sonically there's enough of an edge over the smartphone plus dongle deck? It it really does appeal to the idealist in me because if I do want the best sound quality then I have to pick up a pair of wired earphones and a portable player like this if I'm going out of the house. Because as great as Bluetooth headphones are, and the noise cancelling is just scary good, they, they, they lack a certain something. I call it sonic purity. There's, there's, there's a purity that's missing because everything's been digitized and then decoded again. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you know, all digitization is bad. I'm just saying that when something hasn't been digitized as much, especially between the the playback device and the headphone. So if you just got a wire, I don't know, it just, to me, there's something more satisfying. It's, it's like having a meal that has deeper flavors or better nutrition or both. Whereas, you know, you can kind of go about every day snacking on McDonald's. You could. And you go, well, this is food. It's just as good as like a, I don't know, a high-end restaurant because it fills me up, right? And it's easy and it's cheap. So why wouldn't I do that? Now, I've realized the food analogy comes unstuck when you think about long-term health. But if you just take that out of the picture, it's not the same as, you know, going for a, a nice meal at a restaurant with white tablecloths and or even silver service, you know? And I tend to see wired earphones and portable players like that. They're sort of, they're more of a sort of special occasion thing, but they do come with a couple of qualifiers in that I, would, I, I don't use them on a plane. I always use noise cancelling Bluetooth headphones on a plane because cancelling the noise is the number one thing you want to do on a plane. But I also think that pretty much out in noisy streets in, in Berlin and Lisbon, but where I live, it's, well, apart from the construction noise and the barking dogs, it's pretty quiet. So wired headphones would get more of a run here than where I live in Berlin. Because when I step out of my front door up the street, it's Friedrichstrasse. So it's, it's pretty busy with traffic. So a lot of people say, well, you know, why would you do this? Why would you have wired earphones when there's so much traffic noise around? But that sort of sonic purity still comes through if you get a good seal. And you, you know, you're really, I guess you have to be fairly attentive as well. Because if you're just a fairly sort of laid back, la 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 la, sort of just half half engaged with the world kind of person or half engaged with what you're doing or half engaged with yourself, it's a big thing, then you're probably going to be totally fine with Bluetooth all the time forevermore. But I do think that the, you know, a portable player like a Shandling, a wide earphone is, it, it does really appeal to my inner idealist, you know, somebody who wants the very best sound at a certain point, assuming there's no other you know, intruding noise going on to, to ruin it, really. 
the hospital was a great. Sorry, sorry. I was. Can I just say this? The hospital was a great place to listen because there's, there's no noise. You know, hospitals right. are generally pretty quiet in the ward. No, I, I listened to this this thing until it broke. You know, for for a good five or six hours, it was wonderful. Well, let me ask you this: with the headphones, the IEMs, the, the hardwired ones that you have, mm. and the Meze, which obviously is a bigger phone that mm. you could use in a hospital, but you wouldn't want to use it out on the street, no. I don't think. No. Would you see the need to step up within the Shandling range and go for a bigger, badder version of this? So I do have a bigger, I have two other more expensive portable players. Uh, one's an Ibasso DX, oh God, is it 300, 800? I've forgotten now. And I've got an Aston Kern, I forget, again, I've forgotten the model number. Oh my God, how embarrassing. It used to be their flagship player but two years ago. I think they introduced a new flagship last year. Now, that Astel and Kern sounds incredible. Like, I, I, can't, I can't believe how good it sounds with the earphones that I use, but I don't use it very often because I can't use streaming services with it or the streaming services that I want. And they are, well, they're not really streaming services, but the apps I want, Plexamp and Runark. The iBasso is a big, chunky brick, so it's much bigger than this Shandling. And I think it does sound better. And I do, yeah, I do prefer its sound, but I, I pre much prefer the Shandling's form factor. So maybe bigger and heavier is the price you pay for better power supplies inside or maybe better battery treatment or, you know, the, the, yeah, just the cleaning up the, the signal or whatever it is that the engineers do. So I think, you know, the Shandling is possibly, well, this one, the M3 Ultra, could be like maybe the sweet spot. I don't know. but would I spend the money on a more expensive player? I guess it depends on how much more it gives me. I mean, would I spend the extra money to go to the iBasso? Yes, I would, because that has a sound that I describe as beautiful. It really is just beautiful. And that's, it makes everything sound very pretty and very colorful. And I don't think the Shandling does that quite as well. But with the headphones that you own, like the Meze and whatever IEMs, mm. uh, the iBasso just sounds better it to does, justify yes. that it costs more. So, I mean, that, that's still like you pay more, you get more kind of scenario. Yes. yes. Yeah. But you also, have, you also have to put up with a bigger device. Did you have any objections or complaints or, or positive findings about the Shandling sort of build quality, the looks, uh, the, the features, where things are located, how they work? I like yeah, I mean, so the buttons along the side, so you, on most DAPs, portable players, you get dedicated transport buttons. So play, pause, and then skipping tracks forward and backwards, mm -hmm. which you obviously don't get on a phone. And I, I do like that, although I wish they'd put some kind of little tiny nipple on the play, pause, so I could find it in my pocket without having to pull it out of my pocket. So right. I like that. I thought the volume control wheel on the side, very nicely implemented. I think they've got a lot better generally across the board with many... Uh, portable player manufacturers. I think that's pretty nice. One thing I did use and I have been using a, a bit the last couple of weeks is uh, Sennheiser sent me the IE600 and in the box is a cable with a 4.4 millimeter termination. So uh -huh. it was really nice to be able to plug those straight into the 4.4 millimeter socket on the Shandling. Which I couldn't do. I didn't, I didn't have a single headphone. So did that make an appreciable difference that you think you can trace back to the balanced drive? 
I've only used a single-ended cable with the Sennheisers for like five minutes, so it's kind of hard to know. But I think there's a bit of mind trickery going on with balanced connections. Like there is a benefit uh, in that you get slightly better separation. I think the noise floor might be lower, but there's nothing you can permanently put your finger on. I think people just like to know that they're getting the best out of whatever device they've got with balanced connections. And audiophiles have been indoctrinated into thinking that balance is best. And maybe it is, and maybe in certain situations it is, but none of us can really gather enough experiences with balanced connections across enough gear to definitively say, yeah, this is. I'm sure there'll be some old timers out there who've been doing it for years or probably put me straight on that. But, and I know there are technical reasons why balanced is, you know, can be better, but I think it's also possibly a slightly, um, it's, it impacts the battery life a little bit more, doesn't it? it? It takes more power to run a balanced circuit, Well, I think. I was just going to say that one technical difference I know of is that very often the balanced outputs will actually deliver more current, more power. More power, yeah. yeah. So if you have an inefficient headphone that sort of just about got it up when your volume was just about to max out, if you switched over to balanced drive, you should have a little bit more SPL yes. reserves. Yes, but yes, absolutely. by the same token, your battery would run down faster. Yeah. Now, here's one thing that I have very little experience with, and I was very curious whether this is a common finding, and that is the built-in EQ. Okay. A lot of people make a lot of noise about how wonderful the ability is to EQ their headphones, but like with other DAPs that I have either owned or reviewed, mm. I think the EQs absolutely suck because the moment I turned the EQ on mm. without having moved a single slider, mm. just put the EQ into the signal pass, the sound completely changes in a very noticeable way. I mean, okay. I immediately want to go back. It's like something just screwed up. Some, like the old veil, that mm. you really don't want to use that similar anymore, but the old veil came down and a mm. number of them at the same time. So I can't use the EQ. Because just having it in the signal pass without any frequencies notched up or down changes the sound in a very noticeable way. Mm. Is that a common finding? Have you ever found that? Or have you ever even tried EQ? I, I don't tend to use it because I'm, I like to hear my earphones as they are. And I, I've, because I'm always swapping gear, I never really get kind of irritated with the sound of something. And I'm always trying to hear it au naturel because that's what I need to report to my audience. So right. EQing it, yeah, it could do. And I think I did once with a pair of Sony Bluetooth headphones and it did, it did make a difference. It did improve those. But the thing is, and maybe we're talking about the same thing here from different angles is, you know, I said like you lose something with Bluetooth headphones. It's like a certain purity. And those things are digitally EQ'd out of the wazoo because they're, they're EQing the driver, driver's output to maximize it. They're also using DSP for the uh, noise cancellation. So there's a lot of processing going on behind a Bluetooth noise-canceling headphone. And what you're doing when you're introducing the EQ on the Shandling is introducing a bit of processing. And maybe it's right. that processing that brings the veil down, or several veils in, in your case. I, yeah. I didn't play around with it because I, I never tend to go near them because of I've had bad experiences in the past. But people tell me, okay, well, digital EQs are much better. But it, it's like some there was a there was a guy that used to work for uh or maybe still does work for MyTech, chap called Chebon. 
And he told me once, like, here's something you can try, John, at home. Is, and this was back in the days of iTunes being a dominant music player, was just play, play some music through your hi-fi system and then obviously have iTunes' volume control at 100%. So technically, it's a bit perfect all the way out. And then nudge it back one unit, whether that's yeah, 5% or 1%. That. And you'll hear a difference. And it's not just to do with a slightly lower SPL. It's because then there's being processing introduced now to that volume and the file is being changed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think That's, there is That some, sounds like the same issue, yes. It could well be that. But again, I, I'm not an engineer yeah. in this field, so I don't know for sure. But it, it's just me pulling from you know experiences over the years um, in a very poor way. <laughs> Do you have any feedback, positive or negative, on battery power in your use? Like, did you go walkabout or in the hospital, listen and just suddenly run out of juice when you expected that you would have more time? No, but I did have several occasions where I'd put it down and I, it was when I didn't have the auto off feature enabled and I'd come back to it a few days later and the battery would be dead. So the auto, and off, auto off feature for me is essential. I mean, this thing, I think, runs for about, in my use, maybe 15 hours of constant playback, play, playing back from streaming service apps. So a bit different mm -hmm. to you, um, which is, it's a bit, I think I would say that's probably slightly above average, but that's my other bugbear with DAPS is battery life is generally, or certainly has been in the past four or five years, been sort of hovering eight, nine, 10 hours. Like the Aslan can I have, I'll be lucky to get nine hours out of that. And to me, that's not enough, especially in the context of modern smartphones, which are, I won't say they're 24 hours, but they're pretty close. And if, you, if you're careful and you can use battery saver mode and all those sort of things, you can run them for a very long time. But this is the other issue that you've got to think about, right? It's because these things run Android now, which I think is great for streaming services, right? And wonderful. But how long is the manufacturer going to support that Android OS with updates. So it's something to factor in. It's something to ask the manufacturer. I'll just interject that in my use, right, I'm not mm. at all interested in operating system upgrades. In fact, on my iMac, I run an OS that is so old that the other day a manufacturer had to update it just so we could use their software. Mm. Huh. And I did that because usually when you have something like Audiovana, like a, a music player, that each time the operating system is being upgraded, they stop working or they, they develop glitches in, in the software players that then have to issue some kind of a patch. Right. So when something is working for me and I don't need any additional features, I don't want to change it. It's just like uh, yeah. um, Photoshop. I'm using an older version of Photoshop and I know exactly where everything is. And last time I, I updated Photoshop, they took certain features away and they buried others in places that took me a long time to find. And so very okay. often I will actually disable updates because in right. my particular use, I don't need them. I realize it's very different when you have streaming services that might add new features that suddenly your device can't take advantage of because it doesn't have the latest version of, of firmware. Right. I mean, you'd, you'd have to run or own one of these Shandling players for like four or five years before 
a Spotify or a Tidal app would no longer work on a really old version of the OS. I did look in my email. Shandling said that they don't have a specified timeframe for supporting the device, but they're still giving updates to portable players that they released in 2019. So I guess that says like at least four years. But mm -hmm. I know that the, the thing is, in the smartphone industry, it's two years is the standard, maybe three years, right? One of the reasons I bought a Google phone was because you can get up to five or six years of operating system update support. But generally, most smartphone manufacturers making Android phones will give you, what, yeah, two, maybe three years if you're lucky. Sony's is two. So you've, you're with you're with the gods really after the, the two years is up. Now it, it's not just about will new versions of apps run because I remember my dad complaining about his phone would no longer run the latest version of WhatsApp and he had to buy a new phone and he was running some antique of a smartphone. So I understand that's an issue for some people, but it's also on phones, you want to have your device patched to the latest, well, to the latest security levels, right? Because you're running banking on, or I'm running banking on mine. So I don't want any vulnerabilities. I don't want any exposure to security problems. It's a bit different with portable players because I'm never going to install my banking apps on this device. Although I did put my email on there and I've kind of regretted it because when an email comes through, I think it tries to make a noise and it just ducks the music for like a nanosecond. So I really should take my Gmail off this. But I did it just to see what it was like and you know, if it was janky at all, it's really not. It works quite nicely. So it's fine. If you want to check your emails on this thing, you can. But yeah, I mean, the, the proximity to the, the phone ecosystem world does bring with it, you know, fresh questions that you should ask. So I don't know. I mean, I, I guess all these manufacturers are going to be facing this now. They're, they're adding extra functionality and they're adding streaming capabilities through an Android OS but how long will that be supported for? That's something that every consumer needs to ask themselves and maybe ask the manufacturer if they can before they purchase. Because, you know, if you're somebody who wants to look look to using this device for five years, it might, I don't know, it might do, but it might not. It's the same with all these Aslan Kern players. It's, that's the one good thing about the Aslan Kern player that I said sounds amazing, but I don't use very often because it doesn't do the streaming apps that I want. But at least it's not exposed to security vulnerabilities that an Android operating system would bring. And it will, as you say, like in five years, if I never take it out of the drawer and then yeah, take it out in 2028, it will still work as, as it previously did. And it doesn't need the internet to work unless I, oh, I don't know about the APKs. Would they still work? I mean, would an old APK, the streaming app file, be able to talk to a streaming services servers? I don't know. It's just such an unknown, really. Now, if this was a if this was a written review, we would now come to the final few paragraphs, starting with mm. the word conclusion, right? <laughs> yes. So, so if if you were to wrap up your time spent with the channeling, and mm. whatever expectations or hopes you had going in, versus now the real life experience, what would you say? I, I'd say I have very little to complain about. And I think it's a very tidy device. And bearing in mind, I'm somebody who's generally in the past been very down on this particular product category. So for me to say that I have very little to complain about is a really good thing, right? I just think it's well-made. It, it does what it, it says on the tin. 
And I don't really want for anything more. I mean, it, it's better than a, a phone plus dongle DAC. That's great. Um, it, yeah, it just gives me music playback on the go. I do. I am really warming to the idea of having a separate device just for portable music. And not because I want to do what you do with micro SD cards, but just having all my offline content on here. And it does do Bluetooth if you want it to. I mean, you can have this stream to a pair of Bluetooth headphones. So there is that going for it. I think you can use it as a USB DAC as well. So it's, it's, it's a good little workhorse that's well made, doesn't have any annoyances that, as far as I can tell. For, Except I think for a, no gapless. Oh, the, sorry. Yeah, but that doesn't see no gapless yeah. is not an annoyance for me because it's not my in my use case. But exactly, you know, f- for the asking price, I think it's pretty reasonable. I think it's pretty good. I won't say it's a stone cold bargain or anything dramatic like that, but it's pretty damn good. But I know you have a different opinion on this. Well, for me, coming from the last DAP that I reviewed and and and, and actually own, which is now seven years old a Mm. lot of time clearly has passed since i haven't kept up to date with the development of smartphones relative to their graphic user interface Mm. i was probably more surprised than uh, an average buyer that comes from an android 10 or 11 smartphone they would immediately feel very familiar with how it looks and how you Mm. get around how you navigate they wouldn't feel that it was anything extraordinary I had more of that reaction. I guess one of my biggest takeaways was really that for 469 euros, for the size, how well it how well it is built, I mean metal, and this really, really hard glass that I guess they call gorilla glass on the front, a really, mm. really sharp, full color display whose brightness you can set, full cover art support. The fact that it can even do DSD, which I just recently got into. Hmm. Uh, all the smarts, the sound quality. In a way, this is like a little bit like magic. I know we have become so inured to what technology has given us and how it keeps mm-hmm. getting smaller and cheaper and more and more powerful relative to the processing that's behind it. And because the processing becomes more powerful, we can do more and more things with a smaller and smaller device. So I think we have become inured to the fact that, I mean, if you brought this to the Amazon forest and went deep down the river and got special <laughs> permission to visit one of these tribes, I have seen a couple of, of YouTube videos on it, and you showed it to one of these indigenous people, some of whom now own smartphones, I've seen, mm. but the elder, the elder stone, I mean, it, this would be like indistinguishable for magic, what this thing can do. Mm. for what in our society is, I think, a very reasonable price. And in my use upstairs as my new um, sort of front-end music streamer server for purely locally hosted files, this ain't going back. I'm asking for an invoice. I think it's interesting, actually, because your your use case has really caught me by surprise. Because I was ready to kind of poo-poo it a little bit and have a bit of a joke with you about it, but I think it's really cool that you've you've you're using it as the front end to your to your USB bridge, and it doesn't need any internet and no Wi-Fi or no nothing. I mean, not that's really of an appeal to me, but having it stand in as a 
instead of a network streamer, have it hardwired into your hi-fi system and have it you know close by so you can choose this song, choose that song. I believe actually there is also for those people who do own smartphones, there's a smartphone app, I think, that can remote control the Shandling app on the Shandling portable player. Yes, and you can, I think it's called mirroring. You can mirror right. this display on a bigger device. Right, so you can do that. So it's, I think you, you've made a very compelling case for your particular use case, which totally surprised me. And in that context, I think that the price is extraordinarily low. Mm. because yeah, of right. more, how much more money you could spend without really getting anything extra but more power, which mm. I don't need because I don't drive anything with it. I'm just going USB out. More memory, mm. which I don't need either because I got the big memory downstairs. Uh, more battery power, which I don't need either because three days of constant play as a just digital streaming transport is more than sufficient. I don't mind that overnight, I may have to plug this in to recharge it and next morning it's, mm. it's ready to go again. So I would really, uh, I would recommend this very highly to a lot of serious audiophiles. By serious, I mean people with high sonic expectation that mm. like us may have a second system where for some reason or another, they either don't want or can't have internet access. Right. And these people then also obviously have to own locally stored files. So rather right. than the current trend to no longer owning music, sort of just renting access, or not even that, just streaming for free at lower resolution, those sort of old timers who have invested in silver discs or vinyl and then have maybe ripped all of these files or a lot of them to, dig mm. to a digital format, I think for those kinds of people, especially in a secondary system, it's an ideal solution. And to be honest, sonically, I would not hesitate one second to use this in my main system on $20,000 speakers and $50,000, you know, amplifiers mm. coming in for reviews if I didn't already have the iMac with that monster display. Right. But set up close, I don't need the display to be bigger. And the fact that it's wired, that it's, you know, that it doesn't hang on a power cord if I have to take it out of its little cradle to put it in my hand and have it like within 50 centimeters of my face, I can do that. I can select a new song or album or folder and then set it back in its cradle with my USB cable still connected. Mm. I don't think for that application you need any more. And granted, I haven't compared this Shandling to like a competing, you know, iBasso or Fio or Lotu or Kayin. Uh, but frankly, the only difference is that I would expect might be a different operating system that gives me maybe some different features or does certain things in a different way. Instead of pulling a screen right, maybe I have to pull it left. The colors mm. might be different. And another thing that I also enjoyed, which I don't know whether you've noticed that, is that when you play locally hosted files and it displays cover art, the surrounding field that the cover art is floating on adapts to the main color of the cover art. So if the cover art is primarily red, the entire chanting screen will sort of go a darker shade, but a gradated red. If the cover art is primarily green, so will the background. Yeah, that's a, that's a common feature on, on I would assume apps it's, like it's, this. Yeah. yeah. 
but I, I didn't know that. For me, that was news. And I just thought it was attractive when you have this thing sitting right next to you. It just looks really good. Right. Yes, rather than just like a bunch of text or yeah, something fairly nondescript and fairly functional. Because I think even the Aston and Kern AK100 and 120, which came out in 2013, I think, you know, they didn't have a, a fancy interface like this. They weren't Android-based. Well, they kind of were, but not in this phone sense of the of the of the operating system. And they looked kind of clunky. You know, they had, they had cover art, but it was fairly basically displayed. So things have, I think, yeah, they, I may sound like such an old man saying this. Things have come a long way in the last ten years, but they really have. You know, they they, they, they really have. The other thing I would say about this, and uh, is that, and I've always said this about portable players, is that choose your headphones for your player, not the other way around. In that, they're never going to be super powerful. These these devices, not really, not unless they're going to have either a very big bulky battery like that which is found in the Aston Kern is it called the can the yeah, big bulky the big, big one right brick. so that you, you to have more power you need more battery juice otherwise it's going to get a run for two hours before it goes flat and that's never going to fly as a, as a portable device so I always choose I like high efficiency headphones or mainly IEMs because I unlike you I almost exclusively use this device outside of the house. Right. And I'm not taking big bulky headphones out of the house. So I don't have, I have to ask myself, will this thing drive my big bulky headphones? Because I think that is, I think it's, it's, it's like mounting the horse backwards. Right. You need to kind of, if you're going to have a portable player, have some high efficiency headphones to go with it because you'll never be happy and you'll always be anxious. Like, am I going to run out of headroom on this track? Well, the out the output voltage will change, yeah, yeah based on volume. Yeah. But I think that so, we should qualify yeah. high efficiency headphones does not have to necessarily mean IEMs. No, it doesn't. Right? Because you and I both tried the Mezzi, which is not a super high efficiency full-size phone, but it's efficient enough to not take a lot of power. Agreed, yes. So this device will drive that very easily and it will not run dry in, in a few hours. And there's right, others, even more more efficient sort of big over-ear headphones that you could very easily mm. drive if you wanted to. Obviously, you wouldn't take it outside and wear some 2,000 or 3,000 euro headphone on your, you know, I mean, I wouldn't. But I think the Meze, I think it's an ideal full-size headphone for these. But, but I, yeah, I, I take your point. I know what you mean. And I think what I'm saying is, is, go deeper on the efficiency of your headphones before you spring for something like this to make sure that you know you're you're not going to be essentially wasting your money don't waste your money if you've got a really hard drive pair of headphones or don't even know what your headphones are look into it first before springing for something like this and here we should also reiterate that you know just going loud enough is not necessarily a sign for a good match there's also Correct. sound quality so when the headphone becomes mm. harder to drive even though your little portable device may be able to play it loud just fine, as loud as you want, but mm. it may still not give you the sound quality that that headphone is capable of just because the, the, the output drivers and op amps in this device are just not sort of tailor-made for that kind of load. Right. I mean, I tend to find that if you're under-driving under a headphone or under-powering a headphone, it sounds a bit thin and a bit ragged yeah. at the top, you know? The base yeah. is the first thing, or the, the weight of the base is the first thing to go. Which is why I think that the Mesa is ideal, because the base on those, with the channeling, it was a strong point. 
Well, maybe that's why they've voiced this slight in a slightly warmer way with a sort of a weightier bottom end, so that nobody, well, so that fewer people feel shortchanged by its, you know, maybe its lesser power compared to a desktop DAC or desktop headphone amp. Very possible, yeah. Yeah. And we should probably also at least give a word or two to the optional, what do you call this? Like a slip-in case? Is yeah, that what this I is? Don't, yeah, there's the slip-on protective case. I hate it. <laughs> okay. I really, I, I can tell, let me tell you why I hate it. It's really simple. I'm sorry, I, I, should have, I should have said this as one of my, well, it's not really inherent to the product, right? So when you put the protective case on, when you try and click something very close to the edge of the screen, my, 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 maybe I've got fat fingers. I don't know. I don't think I do. But sometimes, I, you know, it, it doesn't register or I actually hit, maybe it's because I've got one functional eye at the moment. I don't know. But I, I sometimes miss whatever it is or it doesn't register properly or, or the button or the thing I want to click is actually too close to the edge of the screen. And if, this, if the cover weren't on, I wouldn't have this problem. But that's such a first world complaint. It's ridiculous. Okay. I did not have that experience. I mean, I don't. Right. I didn't know what to expect from a case, uh, so all I was looking at was basically "quote unquote" build quality. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever this is, you know, fake leather, but it it looks like real leather. The stitching is really nice. It has the right openings everywhere. It's easy to get on and off. Yes. So I I thought it it did the job that it was intended to do just fine, and I like the fact that whoever sent this to me opted for the green version. I don't know what exactly you would call this tint. It's not exactly British racing green of the actual player mm. because it it's standard comes in black. And I think this is the, the, the one optional color, this dark green. And they both sent us that plus the matching slipcase. But I found it attractive. I like green. And I know that you do too because not only did yes. you opt for green with some of your room treatment, but the speakers for monitor audio that you really enjoy, yeah. and I believe you might have even kept them, were in British racing yes. green. Yeah, I like I like green, I do. I mean, yes, so that the the first DAP that Shanling sent me, the one that developed the fault, was green. Um, but the, the the replacement they sent me is black. But once ah, the cover's okay. on, that's, that's a good thing about the cover, you don't really know. And I know I've grizzled about the cover, but the thing is I haven't I wouldn't dare use this this device without the cover on because I'd be worried about dropping it or mm. you know scratching the screen. So I think it's good to have on, generally speaking, even though mm -hmm. I, my fat fingers won't go near the edge. <laughs> so yeah. It's a great little device. I know I know it's, I it, it has so. niche appeal. It's not um it's not a mum and dad device, not at all. My parents would never use this. But I think for the right we always say this, don't we? We always say for the right buyer, but it really is for for, for somebody who's not just looking for a portable player, right? Because it's not just that. It's a it's a it's a high end streamer for your hi fi system, right? If you connect it to a USB bridge, brilliant. I love that. Yeah, I mean, this is something, for example, that that my wife would use either mm. on her desktop, where instead of having to go into a into a folder that says music. And then send send that music out through a, a digital file player like Audiovana or J River, and then go out USB into a pair of active speakers. Mm. She she likes for me to upload music to to her computer that she can listen to if she doesn't want to listen to YouTube. She would okay. love this device because I could stick enough music on there and then just patch this into into her active speakers. 
via USB, mm-hmm. and she could access it with the touchscreen. Huh. Same upstairs. Upstairs for her music system, she uses a little MacBook. Right. And she watches DVDs there. And sometimes she puts a CD in and uses a MacBook as a transport and goes out USB. Okay. But this could, this could, for music alone, not for videos, obviously, this could take the place. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So in my book, it gets definitely, it gets the thumbs up with the proviso or proviso. How do you pronounce that? I never know that I don't really know the, the current competition at 500 euros, what the same money would buy you from another, mostly of the Chinese brands. They seem to be really, really strong in this product category. Yeah. But I don't really feel the need to sort of go shopping because for my purposes, this does everything that I would hope for. And like I said, I'm very glad that I did not end up spending four times as much on this Shanling EM7. Which well, is good, saves some money, yeah. Functionality-wise, it really would not have given me anything extra. It would just have rotated mm. the screen by 90 degrees and put it on right. a swivel and made it just a little bit longer, but not, not long enough to like display more than three items across, like three cover arts across. And I would only mm. see one anyways with what I'm playing right now. So I think that probably wraps it from my end. I think from mine too. The only thing I'll add is you're right. There is um, a Fio player which is which came out um, about a month ago, I think. That's a similar price point, which I think is is a, a suitable rival to this one. But there's also the new Sony, the new that was announced at CES, which is about four hundred bucks. And I ordered that one two days ago. It's arriving, I think, tomorrow. Because as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, I bought the ZX1, the ZX2. And I love the Sonys because they have enormous battery life. So that Sony will run for like 25 hours, I think. And th- they can do this because they don't use internal DACs in the traditional sense. So this Shandling has, a, I think, an ESS DAC inside, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Sony use something called, is it S Master X? So it's almost like a digital amplifier where... The, the digital signal drives the output stage at the end. So there's no interceding DAC in the middle, converting it to analog in, right in the middle. So they can get more, well, they get, it's more efficient. It's a more efficient circuit. But I do know, as I said, from past experience, they can sound a bit thin sometimes, a bit sort, sort of underpowered. So maybe this one will be the same. I was very disappointed in case people want to know, there is a Sony smartphone. Uh, it's called, I forget what it's called. It's their flagship smartphone. It has a headphone socket on it, has an inbuilt DAC. It's probably one of the last phones to have a headphone socket on it. And I don't think it sounds all that good. I really don't. But I don't know anybody at Sony. I've tried to get gear in the past through a circuitous route, but I've drawn a blank. So I'm, I've just bought this Sony portable player from Amazon for 400 bucks, so roughly the same price as this one. Um, and I'm going to see how that goes. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a video about that, and the reason I'm gonna make a video about the Sony is because of the the interest in the story when I wrote about it on my website. There was huge interest in that new story, so I thought, okay, people are interest, interested in Sony the brand. I'm not trying to kind of take anything away from Shandling here. I'm just trying to say there are other products out there, and maybe the Sony will sound just as good, or maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be disappointing. But because it's from Amazon, if I don't like it after a month, it can go back. So that's the great thing of yeah, the great thing about Amazon, and I have no compunction in doing that. So we'll see. Maybe I'll make a video in that time window. Either I don't know 
I just don't know. It's going to be pretty tight if I try and do it. But Not today. Yeah, we'll see. You, you ran a news announcement that has my name on it. Oh, yes, and it does. Is, yes. It's, it's the, the FIO R7 that retails for $6.99 that basically looks like the Shandling with maybe an extra centimeter and a half of width, just mm. wide enough to put a volume control, an input selector, and three different headphone sockets down the right edge. And then depth-wise, I would assume that it's about maybe four times as deep. And it has a touchscreen on the front, just like a digital audio player. But on the back side, it has XLR and RCA outputs, mm -hmm. digital inputs, digital outputs, and it's meant to go with active desktop speakers. And in fact, I think they have already announced sort of like a matching pair, yes. which based on the size of the amplifier slash DAC slash server must have very small drivers. They can't possibly be wider than three inches no, three three inch inch in diameter. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a desktop system for sure. But what you're talking about is essentially the way I look at it, it's like a portable player smashed into a desktop uh, headphone amplifier slash digital transport. Slash preamp. Slash preamp, yes, you're right. Yeah, so it's a little, it's not crazy expensive. It's like 700 bucks, isn't it? Yeah, and it comes in, in black and white. Yeah. That would be uh, a product uh, that one could use like the Shandling, but you would spend money on extra features and functionality that my yeah. use wouldn't require. But on the desktop into a pair of active speakers, it would be all that you need. And in and, and that use, it seems shockingly small. It has like a 30 watt switch mode power supply built in. And then mm. if you want to use it with an external linear power supply, it has a DC input as well. Right. I missed that. See, you always pick yeah. up on the small things, Sujan. I missed that. I missed that completely. But we should wrap this one up, Sujan. Um, I think. Yeah. I think, as Steve Gutenberg says, our work is done here. We've we've kind of given the Shanling M3 Ultra the once over. Uh, very little to complain about in either very very different use case between you and I. So I think it's a a double thumbs up from me. Yep, and I got another two to add. Oh, I see. So it's four thumbs up. Okay, sorry. Yes, sorry. I'm being a bit slow, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much, Rajan, for joining me this <laughs> afternoon. My pleasure. You have been listening to the Darko Audio podcast with me, John Darko, and Six Moons's Srajan Iban. This episode was produced by Nick McCorriston, and music came from Ben Pitt.